Catfishing is defined as a deceptive activity where a person creates a fictional persona or a fake identity on some sort of social networking service. It's become a popular term over the past few years, spawning a documentary, even a TV show. However, I promise you, this is one of the most spectacular cases of catfishing you've ever heard, and it ends in a murder. So hold on to your little heinies. Welcome, welcome to Killing Missing Hidden Podcast, the only program to tackle the tough issues in your life. I don't, I don't know what that means, but it sounds good, right? I'm your host, Brad, former criminal defense attorney of limited renown, but I assume you're here because you'd rather get your true crime stories from someone who kind of knows what it's like to work in the criminal justice system, you know, rather than just couple of soccer moms who get together to drink wine and talk about criminal stuff. Not that there's anything bad with those shows. I may or may not listen to some myself. But boy, oh boy, do we have a fun one today. I'm shocked that we haven't covered this one before. Shocked. It's one of the first widely reported incidents of catfishing, but it is so, so much more. I really cannot wait to tear into this one. Uh, before we do, you know, please do all the nice stuff I ask. Subscribe if you like the show. Share it with your buddies. Leave us a nice rating. We love your feedback, so long as it's good. You know, us small independent podcasts still need help from the masses. Okay, no more banter. On with the show. So the protagonist of our tale is Thomas Montgomery. He was a 46-year-old man living just outside of Buffalo, Newark. He's a retired Marine working as a machinist back in 2005. And those who knew him described him as a great neighbor or friend, a good co-worker, just generally, you know, a good guy all the way around. He was one of the Sunday school ministers for his church and really a trusted member of his congregation. And yet, he was kind of going through a midlife crisis. He was stuck in a marriage that, honestly, he wasn't really down with anymore. He, it's, it appears from my research that he was really still married just because of his daughters. He thought the world of them. He loved them to death. And he did what he could to provide the best life for them. Uh, arguably, he did everything for him. He supported him in every way he could. He even stayed at his job, not because he liked it, but because he knew that if he changed career paths, his income would go down, and he didn't want his daughters to have to reduce the quality of their life in any way. So, you know, short bio, sounds like a good dad, right? Sounds like a decent fella. Um you know, there were some, you know, he and his wife were having problems or some reports that he had trouble being intimate with his wife. It just came down to he felt trapped in this world that had no real meaning to him other than his daughters, you know. And so what he would do in his free time, he didn't have any interest in doing a hobby or anything like that. So he just kind of kill time. He did that by playing games on the website Pogo. If you're my age, you probably remember Pogo. It was an online arcade plus chat room. And he enjoyed doing, you know, poker and blackjack. I guess more of the manlier games they had on there. Uh, he played under the online handle Marine Sniper. Because, you know, back in the day, everybody had terrible screen names. I honestly tried to remember what some of mine were, but I just, for the life of me, could not. It's not pride hiding anything. Y'all know I have no pride at this point. I just can't remember any of them. Um, so, sadly, we don't get to make fun of me. But let's go back to Thomas Marine Sniper Montgomery. He was on Pogo a lot. Like, he wouldn't go to bed until 2 or 3 in the morning. 
which is kind of impressive because Pogo really just offers these kind of cheap Flash games for free. He claimed to use the chat rooms just to kind of share his problems with others without the risk of judgment. During one of his gaming nights, he received a random message that would change his life forever. Not necessarily from the better. It was from someone who had the screen name Tall Hot Blonde. Now, those of us living here in the 2020s know that the person behind the name Tall Hot Blonde was almost certainly neither tall, nor hot, nor blonde, just like Thomas wasn't a Marine sniper. I mean, he was a Marine, and he was great as a sharpshooter, but he was never a sniper. In fact, he never really saw any sort of combat, according to documents obtained by ABC News. He was at least half truthful, I guess, you know, in that he was a Marine. But anyway, so while he's getting, I guess, internet rich on Pogo, he gets this message from Tall Hot Blonde, who kind of calls him out. Uh, THB says, you know, she's 18 and Snipey's too old to be playing in these Pogo rooms because they're meant for teenagers. Now, rather than do the rash thing and tell the truth, Thomas did the appropriate thing on the internet and lied about who he was. He claims he did so in part because he was scared of being in a kid's game room and it just not looking right. Maybe him getting labeled as a pedophile, something weird like that. I don't know. But anyway, this 46-year-old Thomas tells THB that he was, in fact, a new recruit in the Marines at the tender age of 18. Plus, you know, you can be anyone or anything online, right? Now... Because of this, Tall Hot Blonde and Marine Sniper struck up an unlikely friendship. They would talk while playing these totally awesome flash games of yore, and things quickly got intimate. Well, you know, internet intimate. Blondie lived in West Virginia, so it's not like they could just meet up at the local parking lot with the other teens and make out. But they did what they could. THB sent Thomas a picture of her in her bikini to begin their flirtatiousness. I think if I was in Thomas' situation, I'd panic a bit because I wouldn't know how to pull off an 18-year-old or a picture of me as an 18-year-old, you know? But we got to give Thomas some credit. He's resourceful. He scans in a picture of him when he was 18 and in the Marines right after graduating high school and sends that to this new blonde star in his sky. Of course it works, because if we can't trust the internet and the people on there, who on earth can we trust, right? Now, let me just interject here and say, you know, this wasn't being done from Thomas's private laptop or something like that. This was being done from the family computer. You know, there was a time in our history warehouses tended only to have one computer that everybody shared. So by doing this on the family's one computer, Thomas is playing a kind of dangerous and really stupid game, right? Thomas said in later interviews that he was just doing this for funsies, never had any plans of it going anywhere, never wanted to meet her. You know, I, I assume it was just something kind of exciting, maybe even better than the Pogo games which makes sense to some degree. I mean, he's totally bored with his life. He's just trudging through day by day. He's, I mean, my God, he's playing pogo games to pass the time. And all of a sudden, this young, hard-body blonde girl is pining for him. Well, at least, you know, the him he's presenting to her. And that made him feel more like a man, I'm sure. Now, while this started off as just a fun, flattering little bit of games for Thomas. He kind of jumped into this fantasy world he was creating with both feet. He really fleshed out who Tommy was. Yeah, he, he went by Tommy when speaking to Tall Hot Blonde, not Thomas. So in his mind, Tommy was, you know, buff and tall and was being sent on all these secret missions. And this was kind of the perfect cover for Thomas, because when he would go days without being able to play on Pogo, that was his cover. You know, he was 
I guess, going out to assassinate some world leader or something crazy like that. Now, when he was online, he was spending a lot of time online, like to the point that his wife was like, what are you doing with yourself? Um, you know, it's not like he'd come home from work and spend an hour or two on there after dinner just to unwind. Like he'd play until five or six in the morning and he had to be to work at seven. <laughs> so he was deeply invested in this. Soon, Tommy slash Marine Sniper and Tall Hot Blonde started sending each other little gifts, little love letters with little trinkets inside, you know. Like, he would send her, oh, you know, little pieces of jewelry, um, stuffed animals, um, you know, trinkets like that. In return, she would send, like, she sent some sort of bracelet with their names inscribed on it and, you know, little stuffed animals of her own and um, a pair of her panties, just typical stuff that you would give as gifts. Um, so far as I know, it, it was only Tall Hot Blonde that sent underwear out, but, you know, I've seen Stranger Things. Maybe Thomas was sending dirty boxers. Who knows? But by the by, we need to talk about Tall Hot Blonde just for a moment. She did actually have a name. We've got Thomas on one side. Tall Hot Blonde was Jessica, or Jessie, as her friends called her. But, you know, it's a lot more fun to use her terrible screen name. If I do slip up and mention a Jesse rather than Tall Hot Blonde, know that who I'm talking about. It's not John Stamos's legendary Uncle Jesse character from Full House. Because you all know how often I go into rants about that show, right? All right, so Thomas was having fun, doing his thing, flirting with this 18-year-old when things kind of hit him that maybe this wasn't normal. So he thought, I I probably ought to try to break this up a little bit, you know, slow the roll that's going on here. So he would start appearing online as his dad using his account. And his dad would talk to Tall Hot Blonde, you know, saying, oh, Tommy's, you know, off on a mission or he's got he had to go to two weeks of training here or whatever. And when he was acting as his dad he would try really hard to break things off with THB. He would tell her, look, Thomas is a young man. He's just figuring his life out. He's bouncing all over the country, indeed all over the world. You don't want to be tied to somebody like him. You really just need to move on and find someone new. But it didn't take. And in fact, Tall Hot Blonde would kind of hide from Tommy the fact that she had conversed with his dad, who is actually Thomas, just like Tommy. Gets a little confusing. Well, uh, despite his, uh, I don't want to say best efforts, his minimal efforts, uh, Thomas gave in. He admitted to feeling guilty, but he just couldn't quit Tall Hot Blonde. He felt like he was leading on this young girl, but he justified it by convincing himself that, you know, Tall Hot Blonde's 18, she's really pretty, no matter how badly he breaks her heart, she can easily bounce back from it, right? Uh, now, understand these two weren't just in it for the fake internet sex. Tall Hot Blonde and Snipey were actually talking about love and marriage and all the things Al Bundy would stand against. You know, Thomas or Tommy or whoever he was at this point was really looking into the logistics of moving to West Virginia. Honestly, Tall Hot Blonde had become a drug for Thomas, and he just could not get enough of her. Um, and at this point, can I just offer up an opinion? What am I doing asking? Of course I can. It's my show. <laughs> Who's going to stop me, right? All of this that's going on here, bit creepy, huh? I don't know every state's law on the matter. But I think the relationship was probably legal since Tall Hot Blonde was 18, but it's still creepy. She was still in high school. 
And Thomas had daughters in high school. He had teenage daughters. I mean, he was wanting to hook up with someone that could have been on their softball team, you know? At least pick someone that's in college or whatever. Put some age separation between your own kids that you have sired and their future stepmom, right? Well, did y'all have that formula in high school of like what the youngest person you should date is? I think it was half your age plus seven. So doing that means Thomas should have been on the prowl for somebody closer to 30. So I think he did half his age minus seven, you know, but you got to respect the formulas, Thomas. You got to respect them. And it was around this time, you know, when he's planning trips to West Virginia in his mind that Thomas's wife really started to get suspicious. I mean, she just started nagging Thomas with questions. Why are you online all the time? Who are you chatting with on the phone late at night? Why don't you ever come to bed anymore? And this, I mean, in fairness to the wife, this was like 18 months after Tall Hot Blonde first came into Thomas's life. So, you know, his wife probably had a pretty good right to start asking why he had effectively opted out of their life together. But I think it's fair to say Thomas was totally absorbed in his fantasy love affair. Why would I make such a bold statement? Oh, because of a famous note that Thomas left that authorities found. He wrote a note to himself that said effectively on January 2nd, 2006, Thomas Montgomery would cease to exist and he would start living his life as Tommy. He would be an 18-year-old battle-scarred Marine who had $2.5 million in a savings account and resembled a young ginger-flavored version of Harrison Ford. And he included lots of details about his anatomy that Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia would strongly approve of. Now, the note, of course, didn't say how all this was going to happen. I can only assume, using my logical, deductive reasoning, that... Thomas had access to a magic wizard that only he could see or talk to. And this wizard was going to take 30 years off of Thomas's life and dump a bunch of gold doubloons in his lap and make his wee-wee turn into a big bee. Otherwise, this note would just be crazy, right? Right? <laughs> only a magic wizard that appears can make this sound sane. And yet... Yet, we're going to make this case, even, this case even more bizarre. Well, sadly, for this modern-day tale, it turns into a Romeo and Juliet sort of story. Thomas's wife finds out what's going on. There's kind of two versions of how this went down. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I kind of think that the first part is left out of a lot of stories I respect for the family uh but i'm gonna go with this more scandalous i mean this more entertaining version for y'all so apparently in march of 2006 thomas's teenage daughter was using the computer when she received an instant message from tall hot blonde not really knowing what else to do in this situation she went and got her mom and showed her the message well mom doesn't really react positively to what she sees here and begins a campaign to really dig into Thomas's life. In the course of doing that, she finds this little treasure box full of love letters and trinkets and other things that Tall Hot Blonde sent to Thomas, including that pair of panties. Uh, FYI, most of the reports do not include the part about the daughter getting hit up by tall hot blonde here so this this is the part that is the scandalous version that generally gets left out regardless thomas's wife responds in one of the most samuel l jackson ways possible and i love it like she was a bad mammer jammer her response to the situation she writes a letter to tall hot blonde and sends her a package 
and the package is a family portrait. And the letter says, you see that dumpy looking guy in the middle of this photo? Yeah, that's Thomas. He's 46. He's married to me and has two daughters. Now, this was probably obvious from the picture, but she wanted to make sure things were crystal clear between them. She apparently ended the letter by stating, quote, Do not trust words on a computer. Let this go. You will only be hurt by a man who has mastered the art of manipulation and lies. Okay, so a pretty mature response, all things considered, right? I like it. You know, that should shock most people into realizing that, oh my God, I'm dealing with someone who's not who they said they were, right? Of course, shockingly, a teenage girl doesn't take this very well, gets a little dramatic. When she received the package, she immediately fired off a text to Thomas telling him that she hated him and they ought to put, he ought to be put in jail for deceiving her. And then she cranks up the drama a notch or 12. Uh, see, during this time, Thomas had been mentoring a co-worker in how to be an online scumbag. He wanted to pass it on to future generations, you know. Brian Barnett. One, he was the co-worker, and he went by the online name of Beefcake, which only makes me think of Eric Cartman. I'm sorry, but to me, Brian Barnett's just this fat little kid. All right, so Brian was aware of this relationship between Thomas and Tall Hot Blonde, but because of the package, Tall Hot Blonde turns things around, and she starts flirting with Brian, a.k.a. Beefcake. Now, Brian was only 22, and like a real 22, not an internet 22. <laughs> like his birth certificate would show that he was 22 at the time. So because of that, he was probably a little bit easier to manipulate. Maybe he just had a personality where she knew how to mess with them better. Maybe the blood flow to his brain was limited by all the risque pictures Tall Hot Blonde was showering him with. I don't know. But regardless, Brian, at Tall Hot Blonde's direction, begins this, like, massive campaign to embarrass Thomas. So the first thing he does is he drags Thomas, or Marine Sniper, through the mud on Pogo. Like, spilling the beans about how he was really 46, he was never a sniper, he never saw any sort of military action, and was just on there trolling for teenage booty. Now... A man can endure a certain amount of indignities, but to be publicly called out in a place like Pogo, well, that's just a clear invitation to rumble. Wars have been started over lesser insults, right? Thomas ended up being, and this is, this is hard to say, Thomas ended up being banned from Pogo over these allegations. I mean, oh my gosh, how, how do you go on with your life when you don't have access to Pogo? Uh, but back to Brian, because that's what we're focusing on now. He didn't stop there, you know, taking away the only source of joy Thomas had in his life was not enough for Brian. Oh no. The dude starts spreading these same lies, well, they're not lies, these same truths at work. So now all of Thomas's co-workers are calling him an internet pedophile and other hurtful names. So Thomas finds himself one day, you know, pining over this pretty young Bond girl to now having his life just falling apart in all directions. He lost Tall Hot Bond. He's in the process of losing his wife. Now his buddy's basically trying to take away his job. Plus the shame of never being able to visit Pogo again. You know, and, and a man can only take so much before he snaps, right? Everybody's got limits. So Thomas begins freaking out. And he tells Tall Hot Bond that Brian has just made a deadly enemy and he would pay for his mistake in blood. Why is he telling us to tall hot blonde? Well, I'm sure part of it was that was who he had traditionally confided in. Part of it was, you know, his worries and tensions sprouting out. But 
part of it was also because he knew that Tall Hot Blonde would tell Brian, right? Well, the angrier that Thomas got, the more Tall Hot Blonde seemed to feed off of this, and she eventually apologized and said she still had really strong feelings for Tommy. Now, Beefcake Brian was supposedly just a pawn she was using to hurt Thomas. But she didn't mean it, baby. You know how emotional she can get, right? Here, here's some chat logs from after Thomas had been so publicly embarrassed that I found that I will share with y'all. Tall Hot Blonde, I ache to be with Tommy. Do you miss it, Tom? Marine Sniper, more than you will ever know. My heart aches to hear you call me Tommy. I wish I could be that 19-year-old Marine for you. And this continues going on for a few more months. Like, even though he's been through all this mess and she's kind of ruined his life directly or indirectly, they keep chatting. In fact, here's another chat log from a few months later. You'll love this little slice of romantic poetry. Marine Sniper, wish you were nude. Tall Hot Blonde, what would you do? Marine Sniper, stare. Tall Hot Blonde, that all? Marine Sniper, nope, you might get the magic. Tall Hot Blonde, mmm, make love to me, Tommy. Couple of quick thoughts. Couple of quick thoughts right here. First, you know, I'm sure Tommy was referring to his invisible wizard friend when he brought the, the magic, right? I mean, that's the only way you can rationally read that part of the chat log. Second, I'm never, ever, ever reading chat logs or text messages again. I lost a sliver of my soul today because this is some of the tamest stuff that I found, okay? There is so much more, but I just, I can't, I can't read it out loud. There's things about snakes and fruit, and I really don't think they were reading from the Bible when they were talking about it. But through all this disgustingness, Tall Hot Blonde was still flirting it up with Beefcake Brian. She was manipulating the two against each other. In fact, it wasn't long after that second chat log that Tall Hot Blonde insisted to Brian that she was done with Thomas again. Tall Hot Blonde had similar chat logs with the Beefcake as she had with the Marine Sniper. So we've kind of got Tall Hot Blonde as the eye of this hurricane. And she was apparently going to keep the wind swirling around her as much as she could and keeping Thomas and Brian all mixed up and being jostled around by her actions. And, and, and let's keep this in mind, too. Thomas, Brian... They never met Tall Hot Blonde. Never even been in the same state with her as far as we know. After this, Thomas's messages to Tall Hot Blonde start getting more and more insane. Maybe that's not the best word. Unhinged is probably more fitting. Like he's really falling into this dark abyss since he feels like Tall Hot Blonde is just playing with his emotions. Plus he's dealing constantly with the betrayal Brian caused him at work. And he's got the whole issues with his family on that front. It's, it's just really hard for him. So Thomas again begins breaking off things with Tall Hot Blonde and again keeps making specific threats against Brian. He also made threats against Tall Hot Blonde if she wouldn't leave him alone. It got so bad, in fact, that Tall Hot Blonde's mom had to become involved and tried to end things for good, which Thomas says he was very relieved to have the mom become involved. But Tall Hot Blonde wouldn't leave him alone. She went behind her mom's back and continued messaging him. And Thomas's messages with Tall Hot Blonde were very passionate, both in a sexual way as well as in a anger slash furious way. And he really just 
cray cray would define everything that's going on here i mean you've got thomas calling himself the ultimate weapon and just threatening anybody and everybody talking about how you know he could kill people without even having to see them because he was such a good shot and blah 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 all right and again this is all occurring because an 18 or 19 year old however old she is at this point is just pulling the strings on two adult males lives so while Thomas is losing his mind, Brian is actually having to travel. He has to go down to North Carolina to visit some family, and he says, you know what, on the way, let me let me stop by, chat with you, tall hot blonde. Let's, let's hang out. Let's go get a bite to eat. And, of course, she's all about it. Just so excited. Beefcake's coming to see her. And then, like, literally while he's on the road, so at the last second, she backs out. And says, can't do this, don't want to do it, just keep going to North Carolina. Well, somehow, someway, Thomas had found out that Beefcake Brian there was headed down to West Virginia, and he went nutsoid. He um, basically said he was very displeased over their plans to meet. Now... Come September of 2006, actually September 16th, if we want to be specific, Brian was leaving work for the day. This is a few weeks after the whole trip to North Carolina and all that. He worked the second shift at uh, their job. He was getting into his truck when three shots rang out. And he was struck by three bullets from a military-grade rifle. He died instantly. Of course, co-workers called the police. They swarmed the area, took statements from everybody there. And from talking to the co-workers and all that, they learned about this scandal going on between Thomas and Brian and some teenage girl online. So they go to look for Thomas, and he can't be found. His wife doesn't know where he is. His kids don't know where he is. He's just kind of vanished. So the police panic, and they call the New York police here, the Buffalo police call the police down in West Virginia and say, hey, look, we've got this situation. There's a teenage girl living in y'all's jurisdiction that may be at risk because she's been threatened by this man. Will you please go do kind of a welfare check on her? And they do. Uh, the West Virginia police rush to Tall Hot Blonde's home, when they knocked on the door, her mom, Mary, answered the door. And the police explained the situation to her and said, look, we need to see Jessie. We got to make sure she's safe. And Mary was like, well, she's not here. And Can you get in contact with her? We need to speak to her. No, I don't have her number. All this. And then eventually, during the questioning, Mary just fell apart. Just out of the blue. She sat down on her couch and was boohooing and all that and the off, police officers were a touch confused and they said, what's going on? And Mary confessed that she was Jesse. Sort of. Jesse existed. Jesse was her daughter. But Mary had been pretending to be Jesse online. Think about that for a moment. Mary's using her daughter's name and pictures to create this online persona. She's flirting with men while pretending to be her teenage daughter and stirring them up such that now they're making threats against her daughter and she doesn't stop playing the game. This is scary to me because of all this drama, if the poop had hit the fan worse than it had, Jesse easily could have become a victim. And this was all just to entertain Mary. A couple of days later, Thomas is found and arrested. Police confirmed one of his rifles was the weapon used to kill Brian. Now, Thomas had ditched it, but they were able to figure it out. We won't get into those details. They had also found on the scene a freshly eaten peach, or at least the pit of a peach that was covered in Thomas's DNA, and wouldn't you know it, it was found approximately in the direction and in the location believed 
to be where the shooter was standing when he fired those bullets at Brian. So Thomas is kind of facing a mound of bad evidence. And his attorney, had, you know, kind of advises him that you going to trial and being found not guilty is going to require that wizard in your head to make happen. So uh, Thomas, you know, didn't really fight his criminal charges. He took a plea deal where he was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 20 years in prison. So that's the story, right? Oh, no, 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 we are not done. We've got to dip into this merry angle a little bit more, right? I mean, how could we not? So once all this comes out, Mary's husband learns what Mary's has been doing, and he files for divorce. Jesse learns what Mary's been doing, and Jesse just, like that, cuts off all contact with Mary. And apparently to this day, Mary cannot understand why. Mary's defense in all this was she was doing this as a way to protect children. In her mind, Thomas and Brian were clearly pedophiles. And so long as they were fixated on this tall, hot, blonde persona she had created, all the other children in Internet land would be safe. And uh, it's probably worth mentioning that Thomas and Brian weren't the only men who fell under Tall Hot Blonde's spell. There were many, many other men that Mary had seduced while posing as her daughter. And, you know, she had sent these pictures to Brian and Thomas of her own daughter in bikinis and, you know kind of in suggestive poses and things like that. But for other men, she had sent out little videos where she had secretly filmed her daughter, Jessie, you know, getting out of the shower or bending over in a short skirt where you could see her underwear. And she had shared those videos. Mary had cyber sex with all of these men, all of these men, while pretending to be her daughter, Jessie. According to the police that examined her computer, she had an incredible amount of pictures of Jesse. You know, I mean, of course a mom's going to take pictures of her little girl. This was an insane amount of pictures. And again, those really creepy videos. One apparently was even kind of this like, sly upskirt video she had taken while at the dinner table. Okay. That's how far Mary was going to carry on this little charade of hers. Now, both New York and West Virginia prosecutors looked at any way they could figure out to prosecute Mary, but nothing really seemed to hold water. There was no evidence they could find that Mary ever helped plan the murder or that she pushed for the murder to incur. In fact, every time Thomas was going through one of his crazy spells, she was telling him to calm down. Don't do anything stupid. Don't take any drastic actions. So while her conduct was, you know, ethically and morally just reprehensible, there really wasn't a criminal statute she had violated. And again, still, Mary can't understand why she's the bad guy in all this. You know, her, her efforts here were to protect children, if you want to believe her. And, you know, using her daughter's name and identity was just a means to an end. She claims she's going to write a book about the dangers of the Internet to educate parents. She said that 15 years ago, you know, right after she got caught up in this crime. Doesn't seem like she's been able to make the time to write that book, sadly. And one thing that's wild to me about all this is Mary and Thomas are, at least metaphorically, sitting in the same boat. They're not happy with their lives. They go online just to kill time. You know, they're probably depressed to some degree. They get drawn to Pogo. 
and play games on there and flirt with people and then get caught up in the excitement of this relationship they're building. And they were around the same age. I mean, Mary was in her mid-40s when all this went down. And they had achieved the same level of frumpiness if you see pictures of them. They just really needed something new in their lives. And, you know, had they been honest with each other, they probably could have become friends. Maybe something more. All they had to do was act like freaking adults. Instead, we get one man in a grave, another behind bars, and a woman who's without any family now. So that's our story for the week. My God, does the stupidity of this case just not make your brain hurt? I mean, seriously, look at what happened here. I'm a fan of tall, hot blondes myself. But not to the degree that I'm going to start flirting with an 18-year-old online. And certainly not to the point where I'm going to feel justified in killing a co-worker over a beef involving this internet person. Does it help that my wife would rip my heart out and show it to me before I died if I got caught up in something like this? Yeah, a little. But even if I were single, the girl's 18. I mean, what the heck does a 40-year-old have in common with an 18-year-old anyway? What are they going to talk about? How are they going to build a relationship? That's what's unsaid here, you know? Thomas just wanted to have sex with her. That's all it was. And, you know, to this day, 15 years have passed, and I've seen interviews with Thomas and all that and researching this. He didn't have any sort of end game for this. I mean, remember that note he left where he's just going to magically transform into an 18-year-old millionaire, right? Like, I'm all for, you know, being positive and sending out good intentions into the world and all that. But there's a limit, Thomas. There's a limit. And one of those is you ain't going to go from 46 to 18. You can't turn lead into gold, or in this case, Zach Galifianakis into Chris Helmsworth, you know? It just don't work. Now, some psycho, psychology, psychiatrists, criminal profilers, you know, the experts of the mind have kind of suggested that, you know, technically Thomas didn't commit this murder. Marine Sniper committed this murder because Thomas had fallen so far down this rabbit hole that he had effectively two personalities. Now, no one's arguing that he was legally insane and shouldn't be held responsible for his crimes. That, that's not the conversation that's being had. It's just Thomas could not separate Thomas from Tommy in their minds at this point in time. And the entire murder went down exactly how a sniper would pull off this sort of hit, according to these people. Not being a pretend military sniper, I don't know. I'm trusting them. But they said that um, Brian's car actually had a flat tire. Someone had stabbed it with a knife. I wonder who. And so he was kind of a sitting duck. It's late at night. He's one of the last co-workers to leave. And of course, with the flat tire, he is eventually going to be the last co-worker sitting in the parking lot. And so that's why they argue that Marine Sniper made this kill, not Thomas. Because Thomas had lived 46 years and hadn't done nothing with his life. But in Thomas's mind, Marine Sniper was 18 and the young Harrison Ford and blah, 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 right? And he could perform miracles and would do things that Thomas wouldn't do, like murder. Ugh. Uh, apparently, when Thomas learned that Tall Hot Blonde was actually Mary, he tried to commit suicide in his cell. And I'm not laughing at that i'm just 
the irony that Thomas was flirting with the female version of Thomas was enough that he went to kill himself. Maybe I'm too morbid for my own good. I just find that humorous. Now, Brian's family actually started campaigning for states to enact laws that would criminalize the, you know, Mary's conduct in situations like this. Personally, I'm glad that didn't really succeed. Merely pretending to be someone else alone shouldn't be a criminal act. If you were to create a statute that did so, I would be scared of how far reaching those effects would be. I get that the target is let's stop these people who are 46 years old from pretending to be 18. But, I mean, I have, when I was younger and would go out and was single and all that, it's like I had, I knew several women who their standard spiel was if some creep was hitting on them, they'd give them a fake name and phone number. Well, would that be criminal under these laws? What, uh, you know, what about making a prank phone call? Would that be criminal under these laws? I, I mean, do you want a 15-year-old hauled off to juvie because he pulled a Bart Simpson and made a stupid prank phone call? And, you know, it all depends on how these laws are written. And there's a surprising amount of states that really don't have a lot of lawyers in their legislature. And Alabama being one, sadly. And so you see laws written all the time that when you read them, you think, oh, my God, this is a disaster. And then the judges in the criminal justice system have to apply it as best they can. And I think it's worth remembering, you know, Mary impersonated another legal adult online for the purposes of flirting. She wasn't stealing her daughter's identity in the traditional criminal manner. You know, that usually requires some intent to defraud somebody of money or property or the like. You know, you get some sort of direct tangible benefit from the deception here it's just flirting and cyber sex i guess and as far as we know there's no indication that she was asking for or receiving money from thomas or brian or any of the other dozens of men she was doing this to she just enjoyed being this hot young thing and being able to make men dance when she said dance and and really just toyed with men's hearts and, I guess, other organs. Um, let me share some legal advice with y'all. And I have to do it with the disclaimer that this can't be taken as legal advice because it's me talking over a podcast. And you'd kind of be stupid just to take legal advice from someone talking over a podcast. But in general, if you find yourself in Thomas's position... And you stumble into your own tall, hot blonde, or your own beefcake, or what have you. Just get a divorce, okay? Yeah, it sucks. No, it's not fun. Yes, it costs money, but it's so much easier in the long run. I mean, would you rather go through 12 to 18 months of being annoyed by the process, or, you know, do like Thomas and spend 20 years in jail? Then once you're divorced, you can go chase all the tall, hot blondes and beefcakes you want. You know, make your ego explode. Just, you know, I, I get it, though, that a lot of these liaisons are exciting primarily because the people involved are married. And so it's that forbidden fruit, you know going behind the other's back and seeing if you can get away with it. That's where the excitement comes from. I think it's sick. I think it's wrong. But if that's how people want to live their lives, as long as they're not shooting people in their cars, more power to them. Now, if you're interested, there's a documentary I watched that has interviews with Thomas and others involved in this case. It's called fittingly tall, hot blonde. Um, by the way, tall, hot blonde, uh, it's spelled T-A-L-H-O-T 
B-L-O-N-D. I've put a link to the documentary at Amazon in the show notes if you're interested. It's actually not bad. It's pretty well done. It has some interesting insights. There's apparently also a Lifetime movie by the same name that was produced and directed by Alabama's own Courtney Cox. But I haven't watched it. So speaking of imploding egos and things like that, let's get us to a palate cleanser. And we've got a video game related one because that seems appropriate for this episode. Mario recently broke up with Princess Peach, sadly. He told her, it's not you, it's a me, Mario. So, a little retro video gaming fun in honor of Pogo. Just in case you were curious, Pogo's still going strong. You can go visit there and play all sorts of, you know, Connect 3 games and fake poker and things. I, I think they still have a chat room. I don't really know. I just made sure the website was still up. Um, you know, maybe you can find your tall hot blonde or your beefcake out there. If not, at least you can play some pretty below average games. So, you know, go check it out for old time's sakes. That's going to do it for today. I know a lot of y'all have been digging our longer episodes recently. I can't do a dissertation on every case every week. This one's a little longer than av- than what I would consider average, so hopefully it's a sweet spot for y'all. You know, I'm happy with this one. You should be too. My outro last week was a pretty big hit. I, I had one of y'all actually message me and say that that was going to be your ringtone now, which is uh, very flattering. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go listen and listen all the way through. Um, you know, I, I would try to top it, but I know I just totally flop. So I'm not even going to. I'm just going to keep this one short and dignified and use an old Southern expression for saying goodbye. It's time to pour on the fire and call on the dogs. We're right out. Thank you for listening to Killing, Missing, Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.